Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. We are in the book of Ephesians, uh, and we're in Ephesians chapter 1. And so last week, Derek kind of kicked us off introduced us to Ephesians, and he used a couple of pictures that might remind you of what happened in Ephesians chapter 1. It was this old dilapidated shack, okay, uh, on a piece of property that really had no value, okay? And so we'll throw that up there in just a second for you. And then what he talked about, there it is right there, so no value to that shack. And then we found out that the guy that owned that place discovered as he was going through a a vault hidden in the floor that had this in it, had wealth and riches and coins that were worth tons of money. And so all of a sudden, that property had value. And it's a great phrase, if you want to put it somewhere in your notes, that Ephesians really is a book about us searching for treasure that we already own. And so I love the the term, when you think about money, Uh, I've always wanted somebody to say, hey, Kegs, you're loaded. I like that term. Like, like you got lots of that, right? That's sinful, right? Seeking money, we know all that. But it works really well here because I just want to remind you, spiritually, if you're a Christ follower, you're loaded. You have so much wealth. You have so many riches Okay, because of what Christ has done for you. And so what we're doing today, we're taking what Derek taught us last week, and we're doing what Paul does several times in the New Testament, is we're going to pray it in. And so I gave my daughter years ago kind of a thing as she headed off to college. I gave her a little kind of board that said, read it through, talking about the scripture, pray it in, okay, live it out, and pass it on. And so you've got these little cards that tell you where we're going in the book of Ephesians, and you'll notice at the bottom of one of them, read it through, pray it in. And so that's what we're doing today, okay? I am going to try to grow your prayer muscles, okay? I'm going to try by God, with God's help and God's grace that we would all walk out of here today with a hunger to grow in the quality of our prayer Okay, and in the quantity of our prayer, because what Paul has to teach us here. Okay, but before we do that, just like Paul did in Ephesians chapter 1, he takes a minute or two just to encourage the church at Ephesus. So let's read uh, the very first part of this passage, 15 and 16, and listen to, to Paul's fond affection for the Ephesians. It says this, it says, for this reason I too having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. And I just want to take a second, uh, if I can, and talk as kind of the guy that's in the role of the lead pastor just to stop and say thank you to the body at City Bridge. Because 2020 was a heck of a year. Wasn't it? And so some of y'all know that I, I have some rhythms and disciplines that I do. Uh, and one of those is that once a year, I get away with some guys that aren't pro- part of City Bridge, 
aren't part of Watermark, Watermark and we kind of inspect each other's lives is what we do. So we do quite a bit of homework leading up to that where we're kind of looking and just saying, hey, how was 2020? How was my spiritual health? How was my physical health? How was my emotional health? How, how was I doing? And so I went into that time, which was about a month ago, when we're kind of looking back at 2020, and I'm like, for everything that happened last year, uh, I, think, I think I'm doing okay. But a lot of times I trust those guys more than I trust me. But just think about the things that happened uh, this year. We found out I've never been broken up with on February 14th, Valentine's Day. Uh, but Watermark broke up with us on Valentine's Day. I'm kidding. It was a launch. It wasn't a breakup. But they just said, hey, you guys are ready. And then shortly after that, COVID hit. And then we had the racial tension that came up. And then we went through the craziness of trying to pick a name, right, and appoint elders. And so I went into this weekend thinking, I think I'm healthy. It's a little bit like sometimes you watch a war movie and a guy's in a foxhole and bullets are kind of flying back and forth and shells are bursting next to him. And after it's all over, they kind of kid up and say, okay, did I take a hit? Am I okay? That's kind of how I went in uh, to this weekend. And so when I went there, those guys just kind of affirmed, hey, kegs, for everything that happened in your life, you seem like you're relatively healthy in all those areas we talked about. And so I just want to take a second, and I want to tell you what I came out of that weekend with. I have the most deep appreciation for the Lord's supernatural, undeserved, sustaining grace in my life in 2020. And if I'm honest with you, I let work or ministry, okay, kind of leak into the spiritual disciplines, right? Uh, I think it's Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart because it determines the course of your life. And so I let some of that leak in. And so part of my evaluation was, oh man, we didn't do as good as we should have in the disciplines. But in spite of that, I walked away from that time with God just saying, hi, I love you. I understood it was an amazing year and I supernaturally, sovereignly sustained you. And I was so thankful. The second thing that it reminded me of and I walked away from was so thankful for you and your prayers for us, for my wife, for my family, for our community groups, for our body. I know that you were praying for the leadership here. And so I just, like, I just connect that to God's sustaining grace that you prayed for us in this year. And can I, I know we made you mad right? We frustrated you. Some of the decisions that we made, you did not agree with. But I was so thankful, okay, for the prayers of God's people and how they helped sustain the leadership at City Bridge uh, this last year. Now, God, most of the time, when he's speaking, right, through his word, there's some encouragements, and then there's a little bit of an admonishment as well. So I walked away from that time, and there was also a, hey, Kyle, I sustained you, and I listen to the prayers of the people that love you and love City Bridge, but don't tread on my grace because that may not happen again. You need to protect those spiritual disciplines and those spiritual rhythms that you have in your life because you can't get away with that year after year. It's just not possible. And so I just want to say thank you 
because you prayed for us, you stayed with us when I'm sure we frustrated you uh, as a leadership team, and I'm just so grateful. So I want to do what Paul did. Okay, y'all have prayed for me. I just want to take a couple of minutes, and I just want to pray for you, the body of Christ at City Bridge. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you for this body. Thank you for the way that they have invested. Father, they've invested finances. They've invested prayer time. They've invested time, Father, to see your kingdom advance. And so thank you for the way they love each other. Thank you for the way that they serve their community and their neighborhoods. Thank you for all the encouragements that came out of an incredibly difficult year. And so, Father, I pray for them. Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of their heart, that they might see you, they might know you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, would you protect them, Father, from illness? Would you protect them from accidents? Father, would you protect them from evil? And Father, I would pray them that you, that pray that you would give them a heart, Father, to see the kingdom of God advance in our community, in our country, and in our world. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, that's what Paul did, that kind of thing in those first two verses of this passage. But he goes on and he begins um, to outline his prayer is kind of what he, uh, what he does. And so I just want to tell you, as I was walking through, um, I was convicted these last couple of weeks about my prayer life. And so we're trying to grow our prayer muscles. And I was convicted that I pray small-minded, um, detailed prayers about my life. That, that's kind of the conviction. And as I went through this and studied it, I'm like, man, Paul prays much different than that. And so we're going to unpack Paul's prayer uh, and learn how to pray, to grow our prayer muscles. So let's look at verse 17. It just says, that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. It's what we've sung about all morning. So that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. And before we take that completely apart, I just want to tell you, Paul's trying to get the Ephesians to see two things. One thing is he's saying, hey, I'm praying for you. Okay, So I want to tell you, City Bridge, application, tell people that you're praying for them. It's a good thing. Now, don't just, hey, praying for you. Don't do that. Look them in the eye and just say, I'm praying for you. Can I tell you one of the biggest blessings that I have every morning that I'm teaching, 9 a.m., Sue Bolin rolls her scooter in here. I'm sitting right there. She pats me on the knee, and she says, Kyle, I've been praying for you all week. And I'm like, oh, I can go up there if Sue's praying for me. Right? I'm like, yes. So tell your Christ-following friends that you are praying for them. And the second thing Paul's doing is he's teaching them how to pray. So let me put a slide up here. They'll just kind of help you unpack that prayer so you understand What's happening? So Paul really prays two things. So the first thing he prays is a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And then his second thing is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what's the hope of his calling, 
Okay, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power toward those who believe? Paul is famous for run-on sentences. Okay, so sometimes I have to just kind of make it simple, put it in a little outline so I can understand what the heck Paul was trying to say. And so let's unpack this a little bit. So it says, may God give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing him. Stop the presses. I teach on this all the time, and I'm going to keep teaching on it. There is an application in every message that everything starts with knowing Christ. The message paraphrase that I love to use when I'm studying just says that, that God would make you intelligent and discerning in how you pray. One of the great things about this passage is there's the Greek word for knowing right here doesn't mean um, abstract knowledge of God or objective facts, but it's a word that means that you would know him personally and that you would know him intimately. And this is unpacked so well in so many places in scripture, but let me take you to a couple. So let's go to John, to John 17, three. And so Jesus is saying to his disciples in his uh, high priestly prayer, hey, this is eternal life. He's talking to the guys he's been with for three years. I'm summarizing everything I've done. This is eternal life. That you know God, the Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. So if Jesus is telling us this is the summary, this is eternal life, that they know him, I think it's really, really important that we do that. Look at Philippians 3.8, a passage some of y'all are familiar with. just says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything, Paul says, I count as loss so that I might know intimately and have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And so every application we ever give you Okay, everything we tell you that, hey, we're encouraging you to do starts with this intimate, personal relationship with Christ. And so you want to be a great husband, it starts with you knowing Christ. You want to be a great dad or a mom, it starts with you knowing Christ. You want to be a great employee, it starts with you knowing Christ. So how do we do it? I don't want to throw that out there and not give you some ways to do that. Okay, we prayed that God would build a hunger for you today, that you would know him more and that you would have a, you would have a desire, a hunger to grow in your prayer life. And so it's no different than how you get to know a friend. You spend time with Jesus and you ask questions of what you're reading about him and you write down things It's like, I don't get that, I don't understand God, help me understand. Let me get with my community and people that love you and figure out what that means. And so it's no different than a developing a relationship with a new friend. Okay, it just takes time. And the scripture also gives us a little bit of insight on that as well. In Matthew 5, 8, in uh, the Beatitudes, right, the Sermon on the, on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, they see God. Okay, I heard an inherit the earth. That's in there, okay? But blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? They will see God. So if you're pure-hearted, so what that means, living authentically, 
living in the light. There's no deceit found in you. Jesus says that you're going to see God. You're going to understand who he is. John 14, John 14, 21 just says, those who obey my commandments are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and listen to this, I will reveal myself to each one of them. So if you want to get to know God, it's directly tied, it's directly linked to obedience is one of the ways. It's directly linked to authenticity and living in the light. Those are some of the ways that God reveals himself to you. And so I would just tell you that the more you know about God, okay, as you have a wisdom, insight, revelation into God, the more access you have to him. The more you understand about how you live life, about how he wants you to live life, about his heart and his plan for what's going to happen. So it all comes back, everything to you knowing Christ. The second thing that he prays is that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And we've sung about that all day today, just that you would be illuminated, that God would illuminate your eyes so that you would understand what is the hope of God's calling. So what's the hope of God's calling? Folks, that's your future. Throughout the scripture, Paul just says, keep an eye on heaven. It's called the blessed hope in another part of the scripture. is that we know that one day we're headed for a place where we're going to have full knowledge of everything. The scripture says, for now we know in part, but then we're going to know in full. And we're going to enter a place, if you're a Christ follower, where there's no suffering, there's no pain, there's no insecurity there's no tears. It's coming. That's real. It's going to happen. Jeff taught on it three weeks ago when we were talking about glorification as part of our salvation. That's part of it. And we have to keep that in our mind's eye, okay, so that we can continue to have hope and keep, keep moving. The second thing he says in there, the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. All right. This is where we get to talk about how loaded you are. Okay, your spiritual bank account is loaded. So look at the slide that Derek taught last week. Selected by the Father, saved through the Son, sealed with the Holy Spirit. We were adopted, we were chosen, we were sealed. And just go read all the stuff that Christ has given you in that. And so a great application of what Paul is trying to do, he's saying, hey, in 1 through 14, I just taught you your loadedness, right? Your spiritual wealth, what you have. And now he says, pray it in, in 15 through 23. So as you read that, kick up your feet. God, show me. Teach me what it means that I'm chosen. Teach me what it means that I'm sealed. Teach me what it means that I'm adopted as one of your sons. And so you pray the scripture, you pray it in. That's what the riches of his glory and the inheritance in the saints. Take what's all in the first part of chapter one and pray it in your heart so that you have access to it. The third thing that's there is what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards those who believe. So let me tell you what he has unleashed on your behalf if you're a Christ follower. That word right there is our English word for dynamite, power. And so I'm gonna tell you, you have divine dynamite. That's what you have, 
Okay, you have the ability to access that kind of divine power that he has given you. And it says that passage is so good because he says, especially in the lives or especially towards those who believe. So if you are a Christ follower, there is an access to your spiritual bank account, to to that bank account that you're loaded with. And so just for a minute, I just want to, I was thinking about, hey, what are the reasons that we don't grow our prayer muscles? We don't grow our prayer life. And I just wrote down four things. One is we don't know how. Okay, Paul is solving that today. He is teaching you how to pray. Okay, pray the prayer. So Google the prayers of Paul and pray those prayers. Pray them in. Read the Psalms. That's 150 prayers, songs, And you know what the Psalms is for? Just really simple. When you pray the Psalms, when you pray those things in, it tells you, it teaches you how to live life between God is good and life is hard. That's what the Psalms does. It teaches you how to live in that tension between those two things. And so what is the surpassing greatness of power towards those who believe? So you don't know how, you underestimate God's power, you limit God's answers to our own perspective. Sometimes God answers prayer and we don't even know it because we're not looking through the right lens at what he is trying to do. And the fourth one is we don't see tangible results. And so I'm going to challenge you as you move into these next week or two to look for the tangible results of the answers to some of God's prayer for you. Let me give you an example. So every now and then, or when I'm up here, a lot of times I'll talk about the fact that my father left our family when I was 13 or 14 years old, and I never saw him again, right? And during that season, that's when I came to Christ, okay, but I was an independent, hard-hearted, and I wanted to punish that dude because he had made our life a mess. But I had just become a Christian, so there was a tension in that And so I knew, my mom had told me, others had told me, hey, you got to forgive your dad. And I'm like, you're crazy. I'm not about to forgive my dad for what he's done to us. And so strictly out of obedience, no feeling, no emotion, for two years, I prayed every night that God would allow me to forgive my dad. And for two years, it was nothing but words. But I was faithful. I was steadfast in it. And at about the two-year mark, my heart started softening, and I uh, I started to understand my dad's family of origin and how difficult that was. I started to understand the pressure of his career and looking for jobs and getting let go and other things started happening. I started to understand that he didn't even know what a relationship with Christ was. He had no idea. And so a little bit after those two years, I fell in love with my dad. Folks, I'm telling you, that's power. That is the power of God because you know what's happened? I haven't walked around for the last 30 years bitter and angry, and I haven't passed that on to my wife, and I haven't passed that on to my kids, and I haven't passed that all on. God set me free. Folks, that's power. It's part of these riches that you have in that bank account. You're loaded right, that you have. But that's not tangible. Sometimes we don't see it, but it's real. And so I want you to start looking 
for those things that God has done in your life that may not be power like something blowing up, it may be power like the forgiveness of somebody who has wounded you and hurt you deeply. It's an unseen power a lot of times. And so let me just ask you a couple of application questions if I can. So are you, are you growing in your knowledge of and your intimacy with Jesus? Look back three months, six months, nine months, a year, and can you see the fact that you are growing in your relationship with Christ? If so, double down and keep going and keep figuring out who Jesus is and what his character is and what his plan and his heart is for you and for, for your life. And if you haven't, just ask why. Why am I stuck? Maybe that you've been hurt. There may be unforgiveness. There'll be past pain. There'll be angry relationships in your life that you have. But figure it out and ask somebody. So many places here at City Bridge where we can help you, we can work you through the fact that you're stuck, but don't stay stuck. Because intimacy with Christ is the foundation for everything, and if you're stuck, you're in trouble. And so that's the first thing that Paul prays as he goes through that. The second question is, are you accessing the overwhelming wealth in your spiritual bank account? So some of you, and sometimes me, okay, we've got this loaded bank account over here, but we can't get any wealth out of it. Okay, and so think about it. God's job is to put all those resources in your bank account. Okay, your job is to listen, to yield, and to obey. That's your job. Okay, and then uh, your debit card to access, access that wealth, okay, is prayer and trust. Okay, you go to the ATM, you need to pull some cash out, you pull that debit card in there, put in your code, and it spits out the wealth that's in your bank account. I'm telling you, your access, your debit card is prayer and trust. And let me give you an example. Let me ask you another question. When was the last time that you had a defining moment with Jesus? And when I say defining moment, what, what I mean is you think Jesus is asking you to obey in an area that you're saying, huh-uh, I am not going there. And it feels like you're about to jump off a cliff. When was the last time that you had a defining moment? I'll tell you one of mine that still resonates with me. So we were, I, when I got out of college, I was in the business world, and for a 26-year-old guy, I was making a lot of money, okay? And I just felt since that the Lord was moving me into uh, a ministry called Young Life. And so I went from making about $75,000 a year, which was a lot of money back then, to $27,000 a year, and I was about to get married, right? And so I'm like, this is crazy. I walked into my VP's office and told him what I was going to go do, go hang out with high school and junior high kids. And he goes, you are nuts. Kyle, we want you here, but that's crazy. And he was just trying to help me. After that, I went to my mom's house. I said, hey, mom, here's what I'm thinking about doing. And mom goes, you're crazy. And we jumped. Trisha and I jumped. And it's the greatest decision we have ever made. Because God caught us, and he directed our paths. And so when was your last 
defining moment when you put your feet on the edge of the cliff and said, hey, God, I trust you. Right? I'm going to trust you. What's he doing in your life? Is he asking you to do something now? Man, seek God's word. Find your community. Talk to them and figure out. But I can go back to several of those in my life and say, that was big and scary, and God caught me. When was your last defining moment? And so that's what Paul does in kind of 20 or 17 through 23, right? He prays in verses 1 through 14. He tells you how to pray, and then he informs you, okay, that the Savior, there's a supremacy in Christ. So let's read that. Just as in verses 20 through 23, it says, These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who is all in all. So Paul teaches us how to pray, and he goes, the reason that you can pray is because your Jesus is the most authoritative person in the galaxy. And he can be trusted. And so when we read the Gospels, a lot of us love to read the Gospels, right? And so we get a 180-degree view of Jesus when we read the Gospels. Okay, we see him interacting, and he was fully God and fully man when he was on this earth, but he was veiled in human flesh, Philippians 2 tells us. Okay, and so we read his interactions and all that, and we get a 180-degree view. But when you go to the epistles, like in Ephesians 1 that we just read, and in Colossians 1, and then Hebrews 1, and then in the book of Revelation, you start to get a 360 view of who Jesus is. You start to find out that there is some serious authority with Christ. And so Paul basically says, that, uh, that he raised him, he raised Jesus from the dead, right? Power over death. And then he says, I've seated him at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus was on this earth for 33 years, raised from the dead, and God set him at his right hand to be in complete and total control over everything that happens in the universe. The right hand is a place of authority, it's a seat of power is what that means. And so he put him over all of the universe. And so it was really funny a couple of weeks ago, um, we don't always talk about the Bible and ministry around here. We were having a conversation about UFOs and aliens. And we were talking about that. And one of the guys on our staff just kind of said, look, if, if there's aliens out there, I'm out on this Christianity thing. I'm out. I just am. And we laughed a little bit, and I'm like, look, I don't think there's aliens out there. If you ask me, I think I can make a soft case in the Scriptures. It's not chapter and verse that there's not uh, other worlds and other beings out there. I don't think, I don't think there is. But you know what this, this passage tells me? I don't care. If somehow we find out that there is, God's got it. He's in control of all things. He's in control of governments. Think Egypt. Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Rome, Iran, Russia, North Korea, 
USA in 2020. USA in 2021, right? Regardless of who's in the seat, right? He's in charge of titles, Caesars, pharaohs, presidents, prime ministers, dictators. He's in charge of all of that. All of it. He's the supreme commander of the universe. I just want to remind you that that's your Jesus. That as you're working through the trials and tribulations of this life, man, you have got a Jesus that knows you and cares. The last thing he does, he just says that he's head over the church. Paul prays in the midst of this that he is head over the church. John Stott's got a great quote. It just says this, it just says, if there are two powers man cannot control but hold him in bondage, they are death and evil, or you can say death and sin. Man is mortal, he cannot avoid death. Man is fallen, he cannot overcome evil. But God in Christ has conquered both and therefore can rescue us from both. Why is he the head of the church? Because he's the only one that can do that. He's the only one. So he's the head, he's in control, he's given us our marching orders, and we are the hands and feet, we are the body of Christ on this earth. And so I just want to summarize uh, this kind of to the end of this chapter. Um, as I've mentioned, I love the message, which is a paraphrase, but I just want you to listen what Eugene Peterson says about verses 20 through 23. He just says this. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. And at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. So I want to stop and talk about that right there. The way we live our life is that the government, our economy, all that is kind of the center, and we kind of live our life around those kind of things, and church is one of those things that we kind of do. The scripture tells us right here that the church is the center. With Jesus as the head and us as the body of Christ, that everybody else ought to be taking their clues from Christ followers, from the church. And so it's why we did that during announcements today, and we have got to be involved in the public square and have influence not violently, not angrily, but with kindness, and we have to have influence because we're supposed to be the center. We're not peripheral to the world. The world's peripheral to the church is what that says. And then he finishes, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and he acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. And so, prayer. Paul teaches us how to pray and then he says the object of our prayer or the power of our prayer is the supremacy of Jesus. And that informs how we pray. Because we know when Jesus is on the throne and he's supreme, that our, our prayers have power to change lives. And man, the greatest news I can tell you today is that supreme Jesus Christ that's in charge of the universe loves you and came to this earth to live 
and do ministry and then to go to a cross and die for you because he wanted to reconcile us to a relationship with God. We were lost. We were mired in sin, unable to do anything to save ourselves. And then Jesus came, shed his blood on the cross, and he put us back in a right relationship with a perfect father. And the only way that we would have access to that incredible relationship with God the Father was through the blood of Jesus. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.